In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Your family, two prefaces. The first is, never let it be said that I don't have a sense of humor. I want to show you what came in the mail yesterday. It's a little coffee mug. You know how coffee mugs sometimes have things on it. This one says, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I don't have time. I don't have the time or the crayons to explain this to you. That's just classic, isn't it? I mean, how many times have you heard me say those people out there that need their crayons? Anyway, I'm glad you thought it was as funny as I did. Second thing, you know, dear family, there's no sin we can confess that would make our father love us less. There's no sin he won't forgive if we just say, I'm sorry. And today, every day of your life, to the day you draw your last breath, always remember the prodigal son. If Jesus could have come up with the worst sinner, he would have. It was his parable to teach people the infinite love and forgiveness of the father. Never forget that. Look at today's uh, psalm. Just... Oh, it's so beautiful. I will pour clean water on you and wash away all your sins. Never forget that. The sacrament of reconciliation, the sacrament of confession. How did that get denied to people for months and months? I do not know. Well, dear family, for starters today, please just know that everything I ever say, ever, it's because I love you. You are my children. Right here, those also far away. And while I'm not a perfect father, please know and understand that my love for you compels me to care for your eternal soul. That's the vocation. God did not call me to make you breakfast. He did not call me to mow your lawn. <laughs> You did not call me to check your temperature. You called me to care for your eternal soul. Well, that's for starters today. And sadly, a lot of people out there, including shepherds, have completely lost sight of the fact that the shepherd's vocation regards your eternal souls. More on that in a bit. But secondly, for starters today, I... I keep hearing criticism that I don't encourage you enough to pray for the bishops. Now, I don't get that because we pray for Pope Francis and the bishops at every single holy sacrifice of the mass. I've heard, oh, you pray for police and firefighters in the intercessions, but not the bishops. Well, dear family, the police and firefighters are not already included in the Eucharistic prayers. So yes, in these godless times of rioting, looting, burning, and shooting, when police and firefighters are even more at risk from the godless heathen, commie Marxist anarchists, and that's what they are, crayon people. Yes, dear family, yes, I'm going to lead you in prayer for those people who risk their lives daily so that we may live. But just to quell the din of that complaint, 
I will try to remember from time to time to double up during the Mass prayers for the bishops, which today would be a good thing in light of the continuing insanity that just never ends. What if I let us today ponder heaven's invitation? We heard about it in the gospel today, Jesus. What happens not only when we do not accept it, but when, worse than that, we, we attack the messengers. And worse than that, when we still have the audacity to show up like that one person did at the end. How'd you get in here without a wedding garment? You know, well, if you know the tradition back there, there was no way you could get in without it. So how he snuck in, I do not know. But he was asked, well, you crashed the party. Your family, that doesn't work in eternal life. Nobody's crashing the party at the end. So let us apply then the gospel and sacred scripture to the desperate and dangerous times which we are faced both outside and inside the church. So let's ask ourselves, how many times do we expect that our Father in heaven will send us an invitation before he gets tired of sending another invitation? In today's gospel, the answer would be twice, just twice. Invitation, accept or do not accept. He sent the invitation. It doesn't mean that in our life of sin, we might not take a while to accept the invitation, but he's twice in the gospel. That's Jesus. And that actually is double to what any, oh, dear family, we're sinners. That's double what any of us deserve. Can we, can we stand before God? Hey, you should have sent me six invitations. I should have been allowed to ignore the first five, and you should send me a sixth one. Can, can, we, can we look at a crucifix and really say that? Well, Jesus said two today. Double what we even deserve. And after all, when, when Jesus sent out the apostles two by two, Jesus made it clear to them that they're, in, they're supposed to enter a house once. They're supposed to enter a town once and wish it peace. And if the house or the town doesn't accept it, then they're to leave that place take it, and take back their peace. And not just that, not just take back their peace, but, quote, and whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from them, shake the dust under your feet as testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment than for that city. And your family, as we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and actually all five cities of the plain, quote, the sun had risen over the earth when Lot arrived in Zoar and the Lord rained, rained down sulfur upon Sodom and Gomorrah, fire from the Lord out of heaven. He, over, he overthrew those cities and the whole plain together with the inhabitants of the city and the produce of the soil, everybody. And in case every, anybody ever really wondered, if you've forgotten what that looked like, the next morning Abraham hurried to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Remember, the Lord was talking to him. As he looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the whole region of the plain, all those other cities, he saw smoke over the land rising like the smoke from a kiln. You know what that looks like. So dear family, God gave us a brain, let us use it. Sodom and Gomorrah abandoned the law of the Lord and look what happened. Fire from the Lord out of heaven itself, smoke rising from the land as from a kiln. So we think that it's gonna go well for those folks on judgment day 
Let us not delude ourselves, dear family. It is, it is what it is. It will not be a case of hell no, as the saying goes. It's going to be a case of hell yes. Yes, hell for the destroyed residents of Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities of the plain. So, to, can't help myself. To that shepherd who suggested hell is a pretty empty place, you might want to consult with some of those inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah for an update on the occupancy levels. Think of it as one of those signs you see when you're entering a city, the one that, like outside La Crosse is 51,567. The one outside the gates of hell will say, hell many. Jesus talked about it in the gospel. Hell many, the one outside the gates of heaven will say, heaven few. As for that definitive distinction in level of occupancy, if, if you ever have any doubts about it, just ask Jesus. He's the one who told those with, who have ears to hear. Sadly, there's too many deaf people in the church. Yes. You shouldn't encourage me, dear family. There were several people who sent me that story, true story, of a particular shepherd who outlawed any homily over five minutes long. Now, maybe you'd like to send him a letter and say, hey, why don't you tell Father? It's a little long-winded. Outlawed any homily over five minutes. And if a priest dares, God forbid, eh? A priest dares to violate this restriction, quote, quote, the shepherd will consider severer actions up to and including possible suspension of the faculty to preach. All, by the way, it is alleged that some people, dear family, I could not make this up, quote, because, all because this only increases exposure time to, you guessed it, the coronavirus, but, I'm quoting now, but increases the discomfiture of many congregants to the point of some not attending mass because of it. You know, it's just, just occurred to me that that cup, that mug applies. If only God gave us a brain, let us use it. This restriction is all, as you know, all based on a virus, as we've discussed, that is so dangerous, so deadly, so lethal, that we have to be tested just to know we have it. It's based on a virus that is so smart that it can tell the difference between 1,000 people packed into Walmart and nine people in a 1,200-seat cathedral of the Catholic Church. It's all you need to know, dear family. Use your brains. It's all you need to know. Somebody's lying to us. Your family, God gave us a brain, let us use it. We just got done having most shepherds lock the churches for months and months and months and deny people access to those churches, to the holy sacrifice of the mass, to the reception of sacraments. And now we're worried about a homily that exceeds five minutes. And this is in places, remember the reopen, the requirements, the 53 paragraphs of requirements to open it, it, this, this minimum, min, this Limitation on, on homilies already in places where they're enforcing sterilization of pews and bathrooms, anti-social distancing between people, and anti-human 
Wear a mask, wear a mask, everybody wear a mask, mask. And now we're threatening priests because their homily is longer than five minutes. I think, I think somebody, some of them said, yeah. how do they put it? Uh, watch out, Father, you would, or something, you'd be out of a job, something. Your family, Jesus, the good, look, what, did, it's St. Bernard today. That opening prayer, the opening line, the opening antiphon, what's it talk about? Bernard's brilliant teaching the faith so that we all could be a light of Christ. What better meditation than on the feast of St. Bernard? Jesus, the good shepherd, commanded the apostles thusly, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Remember, it's, so we're clear on this. Remember at the end of St. John's Gospel, he said, Listen, if I tried to write down everything that Jesus taught us, I just don't have enough paper. There aren't enough books. I couldn't, they'd fill the libraries of the world to over, overflowing. So there's a lot that Jesus commanded them. All that I've commanded you, they're supposed to be teaching us. Jesus, the good shepherd, did not say, but keep it all under five minutes, boys. So let us use the brains God gave us and apply a little scientific observation to this latest inanity. Since this whole thing began, I've distributed easily over 4,000 Holy Communions on the tongue because that is the way it is supposed to be done. And because the Catholic Medical Association in the U.S. and Italy both said it was safer than communion in the hands. Which, by the way, communion in the hand only could be done here in the U.S. because of Bernadine's sleight of hand circa 1976. Remember, Bernadine was the, the one who celebrated mass, literally celebrated it under the sacrilegious rainbow flag hanging over the altar, the sacrilegious flag that the great father Kolchak properly destroyed. And this actually is comical. Even, you, oh, you poor folks. Even our daily meditations can be as long as 20 to 25 minutes. I'm only scratching the surface of all that Jesus commanded them to teach. And to, and they're out there, any ignorant and uninformed critic, it's not like I'm not concerned about that aforementioned really smart and really deadly virus, because as you well know, my dad is 90 years old, and this very day is my mom's 88th birthday. And if I get sick, they get sick, that's all she wrote. But guess what? Nobody, not me, not the 4,000 communicants on the tongue, not my very elderly parents, nobody got sick. There's a little actual data for you, a little science for you. So no, remember, I said at the beginning, I do have a sense of humor. How much is your family? Therefore, I would say, if anybody is going to get sick from my homilies that are longer than five minutes long, it's going to be those people who get sick of hearing the truth. The most egregious aspect of this restriction is a stated written threat against priests who have given up their lives, who have given up intimacy, who have given up having their own children, all so that they could love 
their parish family so much that they would do whatever it took to take care of the eternal souls of their children. And they're being threatened because somebody somewhere in a chancery in one diocese, there are 196 of these in the United States. And one of them thinks a longer, a homily longer than five minutes puts some people at risk or makes some uncomfortable antisocial distancing, antisocial masking, notwithstanding. But if family, I just, just know that everything I ever say, no matter how long it takes me, ever, everything is because I love you and you are my children right here now or far, far away. And while I am not a perfect father, please know and understand that my love for you compels me to care for. I could listen, I get a lot more sleep if, if I was subject to that crazy order, no homily longer than five minutes. Mass might even start on time. But my love for you compels me to care for your eternal soul. That's for starters today. And sadly, a lot of people out there, including shepherds, have completely lost sight of the fact that their vocation regards your eternal souls. Which brings us back to the gospel. How many times do we expect that our Father in heaven is going to clue us in? He's going to send us the invitation. Say, here, this is my wedding feast. This is my teaching about the wedding feast. Come to the wedding feast. How many times are you going to ask us before he gets tired of sending another invitation? Today's gospel, the answer is twice. Jesus said just twice. And yet, even after the second one, quote, some ignored the invitation, went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated and killed them. Which, of course, then the king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers and burned their city. A little earlier, we talked about how then Jesus warned that it will go worse for those who reject the teaching of, the, of his apostles than it did for Sodom and Gomorrah, which were burned to the ground. So let's ponder then the truth, the unvarnished truth about what happened after the Jews not only rejected Jesus, but crucified him. What happened was exactly what Jesus specifically said in the gospel. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Jesus literally prophesied exactly what was going to happen to Jerusalem about 35 years later. Because that is exactly what the Romans did. They sent legions, soldiers upon soldiers, slaughtered at least 600,000 Jews. I've heard as high as 1.1 million. And destroyed the Jews' temple, leaving no stone unturned. Well, here's a profound insight into what happened from 68 to 70 when... A certain group of people rejected Jesus, did not accept the invitation. Do, do we think Jesus was kidding? Why did he waste his breath with this particular parable? Unless he, was, he meant it when he said it. Reject the invitation of the king and you burn to the ground. There's going to be a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. He wasn't kidding. He wasn't kidding then. He proved it in about the year 68 to 70 AD. He, he means it today. Well, in 68-70, Almighty God removed his protective hand from the Jews who crucified his son. The protective hand that had brought them out of Egypt, 
the protective hand that went before them, assuring their victory over the pagans so that they could inherit the promised land. When God removed his protective hand, it allowed his enemies to crush those he loved. And the Romans targeted the temple. Why? Why did the Romans target the temple? Because the insurrectionist troublemaking Jews back then were insurrectionist troublemakers precisely because of the God they worshipped. It wasn't Jesus. So the Romans destroyed the temple as a sign to the Jews that the God they worshipped was not a quality God, was a weak God. Obviously, he could protect his own temple. Perhaps a false God, perhaps not a God at all. Because watch, if he were a quality God, if he were a powerful God, he would have stepped in to save the day. What better way to prove to the Jews that they were worshiping a false God than level the temple? In other words, it was a testament to the Jews to quit worshiping their false God, accept the invitation. And of course, we've seen that before. The whole point of the 10 plagues of Egypt was to teach the Egyptians the same lesson. And each plague was to teach Pharaoh and the Egyptians to quit doing such things as worshiping frogs and locusts. In fact, the whole tenth, point of the 10th plague was to show them that the God of Israel was the God of life and death itself. So God allowed the Romans to teach the Jews the same lesson in a very devastating way. The destruction of the temple was his way of teaching the Jews quit worshiping a false God. You know, Repent, as our psalm tells us. Repent. So if we understand this and we understand that the only valid way to worship the real father, our father, is right here in the Catholic Mass when we offer back to the father his son. That's why it's so egregious when you weren't able to come to church. You weren't able to come, not you so much, other dioceses and weren't able to come to the holy sacrifice of the mass. You might get sick. Why do so few? Why do so few accept the king's invitation today? Why do so many ignore it? Why do so many have so many more important things to do? Especially if this virus actually were even a fraction as dangerous as is claimed. Why do they have any more, more important things to do? When they fail to keep holy the Lord's day, when they fail to come to the wedding feast, they are the exact people Jesus is talking about in today's gospel. The banquet is ready. Your family, God gave us a brain, let us use it. The gospel parable really is addressed to us today every bit as much as it was addressed to the people back then. And we saw what happened to the people who wouldn't listen. Let every baptized Catholic get with ears out there, laity and clergy alike, hear those words of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.